that leads me to ask a question. That's why we're here this morning. There is a day of days coming. There's a day of days coming. I don't know about you, but the first moment I enter in eternity, I will not want to tour the streets of gold or my holy condo just over the hilltop. I want to check that all are safely home and that the family circle is complete. Are all in your family circle Are they ready to arrive safely home? For countless Christians that inhabit our pews Sunday by Sunday, they would say to us, No, I'm not certain, I'm not sure that my children, that my parents, that my spouse will be there on that day of days and I feel so powerless, I feel so helpless, I feel it's so hopeless. Is there anything I can do? Yes. And that's why we have come together this morning in the name of Jesus. Because people, people, your people, your family, they need the Lord. Amen? This is what we can do. Every day that it passed me by, I can see it in their eyes. Empty people filled with care, headed that out precious Jesus this is the cross of intercession if you're new with us this morning we have spent seven days in prayer and much of those prayers have been for our unsaved loved ones these pictures on this cross of intercession they represent unsaved sons and daughters Husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, family members and friends, loved ones that need the Lord. And that's why this morning, 
God has placed upon your pastor's heart a sermon I've never ever preached before. A word that I want to give you. A word of hope. (laughs) Because we are not helpless. And it's not hopeless. God has placed within our hand a mighty spiritual resource. And it's called Breakthrough Intercession. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer this morning before this word. And I'd like hands to be laid upon Don and Sharon. I'd like you to remember Sherry Martin to the Lord in prayer this morning. These who are grieving among us, but we don't grieve as the world grieves because it's not goodbye, but I'll see you. In the morning, Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and we lift up Sherry Martin this morning. We lift up Nathaniel, Andrew, and Caleb, the three sons, and Lord, as their 59-year-old dad uh, has gone into eternity, Lord, we're glad that we can say, Lord, not goodbye, but I'll see you in the morning, Larry. Comfort that family. Comfort Don and Sharon Thede. Comfort their daughter-in-law, Nikki, and their grandson, Mason. Lord, as their 45-year-old son, Tim Thede, that grew up in this church, has gone to be with you more alive than we are right now. We pray, God, for your comfort, your peace, in the name of Jesus. It's not goodbye, but I'll see you in the morning. Lord, we pray for all of our loved ones, even right now, in the name of Jesus, that it won't be goodbye, but the family circle will be complete. That, Lord, we can say in this life, I'll see you in the morning. In the name of Jesus, amen. And amen. This is more of a teaching word. This is more of a how-to word this morning. How to pray effectively for unsaved loved ones who are non-Christians, unbelievers, in the name of Jesus. So take your sermon, God, if you don't have one. Lift up your hand this morning. This is a vital word that we want to teach this morning for the glory of God. Breakthrough intercession, you see, recognizes our loved ones, our church, our world, consistently faces close encounters of the demonic kind. In Ephesians chapter 5 and 6, Paul gives the greatest discussion and plan of God for marriage, for family, and for the workplace. He gives God's plan for daily living. When I study, if you're a good student of the Bible, you never take things out of context. So the scripture passage I'm about to read, you need to understand, takes place in the context of marriage, family, and the workplace. Now note what Paul says in verse 12 of chapter 6. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Did you hear that? Did you hear what Paul is saying in verse 12? Behind the scene of fragmented families, broken homes, divorce, behind the scene of drug addiction, 
divorce and depression, pornography and perversion, behind the scene of crime, violence, murder, homicide, killing. There is an evil spiritual reality and entity, an enemy whose power so transcends ours, we are mere child's play to him. He's won countless battles and he's conquered countless foes. Who is this terrible enemy of our souls? Satan. I want to serve notice to you that Satan is not a mythological, he's not a metaphorical, an allegorical uh, uh, symbol whatsoever. He is a very real, evil, hellish entity. It was a very real Satan that tempted Adam and Eve in the garden. A very real Satan attacked Job and deceived King David. A very real Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness. A very real Satan possessed Judas right before the cross of Calvary. And a very real Satan is attacking our culture, deceiving our world today. And some are fighting a very real Satan in their lives, their marriages, and their families, even as I speak. I'm talking about children, brothers, sisters, parents, friends, family members that do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Some of our loved ones are blinded by rebellion, by pride, by perversion, by the philosophies of our culture, secular humanism, where they think that they themselves are their own salvation. They are God. Some are bound to the chains of drug abuse, alcoholism, pornography. Some are good people, moral people outstanding citizens of these United States of America. But let me hear you. Let me warn you. Hear this. Hell, hell will be populated by good people. People who thought their good intentions, their good words, uh, their good works would win their salvation. Only one is Savior. And that's not you. It's Jesus. Good people are the hardest people to win for Jesus. I have found that over and over again. You might even have relatives and friends that will tell you, I believe in God. Listen to what James the Apostle said about that. You say you have faith, for you believe there is one God. Good for you. Even demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. Write it down with me. Breakthrough intercession is the awareness of how God sees our unsaved friends and family members. Every week, every week, every week, I and others, we pray over these faces. I look into these eyes. I focus on those photos. And I ask the Lord, God, help me to see them as you see them. God, help me to see them as you see them. How does God see our unreached, our unsaved, our non-Christian family and friends. How does God see them? According to the Bible, God sees the unsaved as deceived. Write that down. Paul said, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Jesus said, when he lies, he speaks his native language. He's a liar, the father of lies. God sees the unsaved as blind. Satan, who is the God of this world, Paul says, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. 
God sees the unsaved as full of darkness. Paul's taught us their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they've closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. God sees the unsaved as lost. He sees them as spiritually dead. I want to remind you the prodigal son's father represents our heavenly father. And what did the prodigal son's father say? When the boy returned home, he said, This, my son, who was dead, is now alive, and he who was lost is now found. This is how God sees the unsaved. God sees the unsaved as slaves of Satan, imprisoned by Satan. The Bible says, obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of the air, who's at work right now in the hearts of those who are against the Lord. How many were shocked this week when you heard the news of what happened, what was found by the police in a Southern California home where a couple had 13 children. The oldest being age 29. The police were alerted when a 17-year-old girl escaped from the home. The police were shocked to realize she was not uh, 10 years old. She was 17. They thought she was 10 because she was so undernourished. She was suffering from such malnutrition. They found in the home the children chained to furniture, chained to their beds. The children were only allowed, up to age 29, they were only allowed one shower per year. They thought the 29-year-old was a young teenager. She was so frail, thin, and suffering from such malnutrition. This couple had the kids chained because they were preparing, they said, for a reality show on TV. You talk about demonic. Yet that's just what Satan has done to our unsaved loved ones. Excuse me. And worse yet, worse than slaves of Satan, God sees the unsaved on a highway to hell. Listen, there's no middle ground. There's no in-between in this. You're either on a highway to heaven or you're on a highway to hell. The Bible says in Revelation 20, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This condition of our unsaved loved ones, it breaks the heart of God because Jesus said in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come. What's God's plan? God's plan isn't judgment. God's plan is not wrath. The Lord has come that they may have life and they might have it to the full. Being a Christian is the happiest life anyone can have. It's not just hope for the hereafter. It's hope and happiness in the here and now. 
As I announced this morning, God has not left us powerless. He hasn't left us helpless or hopeless. He has placed within our hands a mighty spiritual resource, a mighty spiritual weapon to see our lost loved ones be Christ followers. Here it is. This is my main text this morning. Focus on this promise. Verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Even the unsaved are children of the Creator God. Pray for the Lord's people. Pray for the Lord's people. What is breakthrough intercession? I want you to know that breakthrough intercession is not holding your hand out and begging God to give you blessings. Breakthrough intercession is not an outstretched hand saying, Bless me, bless me, bless me, give me, give me, give me, Santa Claus God. It's not stretching your hand out to a Ronald McDonald God and saying, Give me, give me a happy meal, a happy meal for life. Breakthrough intercession is not a hand opened up and out begging Give me, it is a hand stretched out linking with the hands of God and partnering with God in saving the lost, causing blind eyes to be opened, the dead to rise again and be born again into new life. Breakthrough intercession, write it down, is praying with such expectation, faith for our unsaved loved ones to become Christ's followers and it cannot be otherwise. You need this year to move into such God-confident, bold, persistent faith that you claim your loved ones through the cross of Calvary and you declare to the powers of hell, I claim them through the cross. It cannot be otherwise. They shall be saved. They shall be born again. They shall be in heaven on that day of days. It cannot be otherwise. That's expectation faith. That's bold faith. Faith, that's a God-sized prayers. Listen, all the power of and authority of God is available to you. Use it. Listen, the government might shut down, but my God will never shut down. His business is open 24-7. He's still in the healing business. He's still in the miracle business. And He's still in the saving business. Hallelujah. Amen. James chapter 5 verse 15, the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith, the prayer of faith will save the sick. Doesn't say heal the sick, save the sick. We're talking here about spiritual health as, as well as physical health. We'll save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, uh, he will be forgiven. The effective, fervent, passionate, Prayer of a righteous man avails much. Avails much. Prayer works. Prayer works. Lydia, Addy, is that you up there? I see in the back. I thought so. God bless you, young lady. You're a product of prayer. You're a product of prayer. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, uh, you can correct me after service if I got any facts wrong. This is what I heard, Lydia. Amen. Uh, she had gallbladder surgery. And then she had a leaking bile duct. 
If you know anything about a leaking bile duct, you're in a world of hurt. That's spewing forth poison in your system. It's like having an IV that's giving you poison 24-7. And those bile ducts can only be clamped by man. They do not heal on their own. Monday night, Monday night, we were having our first uh, prayer meeting night, and in the middle of the prayer meeting, all of a sudden I see Mary Han, her close cousin, I mean, run out of here. And I guess all kinds of text messages were going back and forth. Text messages flying back and, and, and forth. And uh, Steve was, uh, her husband, Lydia's husband, was at the surgery. And the surgery was going longer than expected. And, and he was, you know, being a good husband, being really super concerned. And so all the relatives, man, the texts were going back and forth. I mean, we just, uh, we, we hunkered down and just lifted them up to the Lord in prayer. And then Becky and I raced over to Troy Beaumont Hospital. I went to patient information. I said, where's Lydia Addy? They, and, I, and I said, I want to know what surgical lounge I should go to. They said, she's not in surgery. She's in her room. I said, no, she's not. She's in surgery. They said, no, she's in her room. Uh, I, I argued back and forth. I went to the closest surgical lounge. And they said, no, she's not in surgery. She's in her room. I said, are you sure? Yeah, she's in her room. So we race up to her room. The door is closed. Lights are off. I never go in and pray for somebody right after surgery. I was not going to do that to you whatsoever, Lydia. So we were right outside your door. So we went to the nurse's station. There's about 30 of them just loitering around, gabbing and talking. And I said, I understand Lydia Addy had a complicated surgery. They said, no. She had a wonderful surgery. In fact, I learned that when the doctor opened her up to clamp the bile duct, to his surprise, shock, and amazement, he told Steve, the bile duct, and it can't do this, healed itself. Healed itself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I walked away, I thought, well, I guess she doesn't need my prayers now. Hallelujah! He's in the miracle business. And what God has done for others, He can do for you. And the greatest miracle, the greatest healing, are salvation healings. Listen, no one, no matter how unbelieving, no matter how calloused and stubborn and rebellious of heart, is beyond God's reach to save to the uttermost from the guttermost. Prayers prayed in real faith. Never limit what God can do. These are not bless me club prayers. They're bold, passionate prayers of faith that declare it cannot be otherwise. It's a done deal in the name of Jesus. These are prayers that are so faith-filled, so saturated with expectation, they believe that they're already receiving. That's why most of your prayer time should be thanksgiving time. Well, some of you heard that. That's why most of your prayer time should not be request time. It should be thanksgiving time. You need to pray like this. In the name of Jesus, I claim the soul of my loved one through the cross of Calvary. I thank you their blind eyes are opening. I thank you my lost loved one is found. I thank you that they who are prisoners are being set free in the name of Jesus. I thank you that what sin and Satan says is dead, God says is alive. 
alive. I thank you that they're born again in the name of Jesus. It cannot be otherwise. Expectation faith. A pastor acquaintance of mine was walking through his church lobby on water baptism morning and he came across a woman that was sobbing and weeping in the lobby. And he couldn't get over that because it's supposed to be a morning of rejoicing. And he said, why are you crying? She said, I've been praying for my mother for nearly 20 years to become born again. At the five-year mark of praying, I said, uh, who needs this? God isn't listening. Nothing's happening. At the ten-year mark, I, I, I said, why am I wasting my breath? But I kept praying. At the fifteen-year mark, I said, this is absurd, but I kept praying. But I, and, and even with weak faith, weak faith, I kept praying, believing that my mom would be saved today, this morning, right now, 20 years later, my mom is being water baptized. She became born again. Hallelujah. I'll never doubt the power of prayer again. You got any rivers that you think are uncrossable? You got any mountains you can't tunnel through? Our God specializes in things thought impossible. He can do what no other power can possibly do. Breakthrough intercession, write it down, recognizes a soul's free will. For you theology students out here, you're arguing with me right now mentally. You're saying, Pastor, I don't care how you pray. A soul, a soul, a soul has a free will. And even God has bound Himself not to transgress our free will. But when you pray in breakthrough intercession, you prayerfully expect God to perform five key things upon the life of your lost loved one. I want to give those to you quickly as I run through this this morning. Number one, pray. God will get their attention. Pray God will get their attention. Pray that God will use whatever is necessary to wake them up, to turn them around, (laughs) to uh, uh, alert them to what they're losing in Him. Listen. If you're in the sound of my voice this morning or watching on live stream, and you're running from God, beware, beware, beware. Not out of judgment. Not out of anger, but out of love. God can cause something to happen in your life to get your attention of His love, to get your attention of eternity, to get your attention that heaven is real, hell is real, and eternity is just a breath away. Jesus said, better is a person to lose their hand and go into the kingdom of God than to go to hell whole. Better is it for a person to lose their eyes than their eyes be plucked out and go to heaven without their eyes than go to hell whole. Sometimes God has to knock us flat on our back so we start looking up at Him. God loves you so much. God loves your loved ones so much that He will use injury, sickness, disease, a sorrow of life to wake us up that eternity is forever. Pray 
that God will wake up your loved one and get their attention. Number two, pray for the Holy Spirit conviction upon your lost loved one. Pray for Holy Spirit conviction upon them. Jesus taught this. This is not my word. John chapter 16. And when He, the Holy Spirit, comes, He will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Conviction. It's a church term that we throw around a lot, but many don't understand how uh, to use it in prayer. Many of you have heard me pray at the end of a service when I give the salvation invitation. How many of you remember me praying, Oh, Holy Spirit, knock upon the doors of their heart. God will not force Himself on anyone. We are not robots. He wants us to love Him based upon our decision and the freedom of our will. But God is a pretty loud knocker (laughs) upon our heart's door. And when you pray for the conviction of the Holy Spirit upon your son, your daughter, your love lost one, uh, I I want you to know that the Spirit of God is released to knock really loud. (laughs) And He'll cause them to feel guilt. This is positive guilt uh, over their life, over their sins, over their direction. He'll cause them to be dissatisfied with the pleasures of life as they turn to partying, as they turn to drinking, as they turn to drug abuse, as they turn to illicit sex, as they turn to the pleasures of life, they're going to come up empty. God, make them feel empty. Lord, make them feel like the prodigal son in the pig pen who saw the pigs being fed, but he wasn't fed, and he was hungry, and he came to his senses. Spirit of God, let them see that they're in the pig pen. Let them see the vomiting, the wretchedness. Let them see the sexually transmitted diseases. Let them see the addiction. Wake them up. Holy Spirit of God in your conviction, like a lover, like a lover, woo them, tug at their heart, call them to your love. When you pray conviction upon a soul, that is what you are doing. Pray the Holy Spirit conviction upon your loved ones. Pray that blinded eyes of the unsaved loved ones will be opened in the name of Jesus. When the Bible warns us about the blinding work of Satan, he's warning us about deception. Deception. Satan is the father of lies. He masquerades not in a a red uh, jumpsuit with horns and a tail. The Bible says he appears as an angel of light. Beautiful, attractive, appealing. Listen, let there be no doubt from this holy pulpit. Booze, drug abuse, porn, their deception... The cults and the false religions of this world are deception. The LGBT crowd, the same-sex marriage crowd, is bound up with deception. And while we're on the subject of spiritual deception, I want to remind you, there's still power in the Word of God. There's still real power in prayer. The blood will never lose its power. And there's only one way to God. There's only one truth. And there's only one life. And that life is Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Hallelujah! Glory to God! 
For he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Number four, pray God will send your loved one a Christian witness. A Christian witness. When I grew up, I used to love to watch Highway Patrol with Broderick Crawford. Oh, some are having a spiritual experience out there. I love watching cop shows when I was growing up. And when the thief, when the robber, when the killer would, would run to his getaway house and the guns would be blazing out the windows, the police would surround the house and the police chief would get out his megaphone. And what would he say in his megaphone? Give it up! Get out! You are surrounded! And that's how you need to pray. That's how you need to pray for your lost loved ones, that they are surrounded by soul winners, that every which way they turn, they run into a born-again, blood-washed, Bible-believing, demon-fighting soldier of the cross. (laughs) That they run into Christians, that they run into Jesus-loving people, people that are filled with truth, uh, that when they go to the bank, when they go to the restaurant, when they go to work, uh, that when they go in the neighborhood, they just keep running into Christians who are speaking truth, speaking Jesus, speaking the Word of God, speaking in the Spirit to them. Soul winners. Pray that way. I've watched God work that way so many times. And then He also works in another way. I remember the story of Deacon Jones. Every time Deacon Jones would come to prayer meeting, people would hear his loud praying. He would kneel down and pray. And he had one phrase, one refrain he'd repeat over and over again. Everybody knew it was Deacon Jones. He'd say, Lord, touch the unsaved with thy finger. Lord, touch the unsaved with thy finger. Lord, touch the unsaved with thy finger. And one night, he stopped. And there was silence. One of the elders went over and put his arm around him to see if he he was still alive. People were afraid he had a heart attack. Deacon Jones, what's wrong? Deacon Jones looked up and said, I was just praying, Lord, touch the unsaved with thy finger. And I heard a voice speak to me and say, you're the finger. Pray not only that your unsaved loved ones would be surrounded, surrounded by soul winners. Pray that God will use you. You're the relative. You're the family member. You're the loved one. Pray that God will use you. Pray that you'll be empowered by the Holy Spirit to have a word in due season. That God will use you in in, in divine outreach. That God will give you a soul winning heart. That you'll take the step to knock on their door. to, To call them. To text them. To reach out to them in the name of Jesus. The Bible says in Matthew 9.38, Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into His harvest field. Pray for soul winners and pray that you'll be a soul winner. Number five, pray that your unsaved loved one will encounter Jesus. Jesus. Who in the Bible 
was the most unlikely candidate to be born again and saved. Think of it. Don't steal my thunder. Who was the most unlikely candidate to be born again and saved? I mean, this guy, this guy, I mean, if he had multiple personalities, he would be a Lenin, an Adolf Hitler, a Khrushchev, a Stalin, a Saddam Hussein, an Osama bin Laden, all bound up in one person. He hated Christians. He hated Christians so much, he arrested Christians. He put entire Christian families in prison in chains, and he killed Christians. But the church was praying. Don't you dare say that somebody, that your loved one is beyond reach. The church was praying. God's people were praying. This man, this man, his name was Saul. Saul. He was on the road to Damascus. And he was going to Damascus, Syria to chain up more Christians, to imprison more Christian families, to kill more Christians. And on the way to Damascus, God knocked them down. <laughs> I like that. That's why I pray, God, knock them down. Knock them down. Right here. Right now. Knock them down. God knocked him down. Lord blinded him. And then a voice spoke. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And Saul asked, who are you, Lord? What did this one say? I am Buddha. I am Confucius. I am Sung Young Moon. I'm Oprah Winfrey. Listen, only one died upon the cross and shed his blood for you and me. Only one rose from the grave and the stone was rolled away and he ascended to the right hand of the Father where he resides in all power and all authority in heaven and earth. Who is that one? Give me his name. Jesus. Not Oprah Winfrey. Jesus. 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 I am Jesus. And Saul of Tarsus became Paul, the greatest apostle in the Bible. You can't tell me that breakthrough intercession doesn't work. Nobody's beyond the reach of your prayers and my prayers. And what God can do, pray that the love of Jesus will be revealed to them. Pray that they will have a living encounter with Jesus Christ. I've watched it happen over and over and over again. Lastly, this morning, breakthrough intercession is binding the enemy through power praying. We need to move into this high level of prayer warfare that necessitates power praying. Let me illustrate. When my son was young, I was living under terrible guilt and self-condemnation. He was 14 years old, and your pastor had never purchased for him a dog. The guilt was terrible. 
Usually when I'm involved in purchasing, procuring, I study it, I analyze it, I drive my wife crazy. I will do analytical cost comparison studies in the same way here at the church to make sure I've got the best deal. But I was operating under guilt and and condemnation. So I ran to the pet store here on Van Dyke and I said, my boy's a very active boy. I I don't want a lap dog. I don't want a sleepy dog. I don't want something passive. I want something he can wrestle with and run with. They gave me, and I know nothing about dogs, a Jack Russell Terrier. We named him Alex. He was great as a puppy, but he grew into the dog from hell. At the same time, my daughter, my youngest, my Jenny, my Jenny, she wanted a guinea pig. We got her a guinea pig. And we named the guinea pig Lucky. He didn't stay lucky too long. I did not know that Jack Russell Terriers are bred from rat terriers. They were bred in England to go after burrowing animals. One day, Lucky got out of his cage. He was crawling in the house, and we're running after Lucky. Guess who caught him? Alex! And he planted his paw down upon Lucky, and we said, give us Lucky back. And we went to grab the guinea pig. And he, that Alex bared his teeth at us. And this guttural growl rose from the bowels of hell itself into his, his vocalization as he, I mean, just try it. As he planted his paw down upon little Lucky. I mean, even Jonathan couldn't get the guinea pig away without it being cut in half. I ran to the refrigerator, got a piece of raw meat, dangled it in front of Alex, and well, uh, I distracted him. We were able to rescue little Lucky, and Lucky remained lucky. point here this morning you can't you can't dangle raw meat in front of the enemy of your soul and your loved one's soul he's planted his paw down upon your loved one the powers of hell have blinded have deceived your loved one they hold your loved one that's why you need to move into prayer power to be able to bring hope and to release. Jesus teaches on this in Matthew 12, but if I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. Now note what Jesus teaches. You need to circle some key words here. One cannot rob or enter. Other translations say enter. Or break through into Satan's kingdom without first doing what? Binding. Circle that word. Binding the enemy. Binding the strong man. Binding Satan. To restore back to our homes. To restore back to our marriages. That which rightfully belongs to the kingdom of God. First we must break through. Then we bind. Breakthrough, bind. Breakthrough, bind. That's why I call it breakthrough intercession. 
You can break through and bind the enemy by the partnership of prayer agreement. Last week and consistently, I have taught you the power of praying in a partnership of faith with other brothers and sisters in the Lord. Listen, God did not create us to be islands of faith. You multiply the strength of your prayers when you enter into a prayer agreement, when you hold the hand of another brother and sister in the Lord, and at the same time, In the same way, you pray on the same need. What did Jesus say in Matthew 18? I tell you, if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. The prayer of agreement. You can break through and bind the enemy by praying the promises of God. We've taught this over and over. This is vital. It's integral for praying with power. You're not praying with your words. You're praying with God words. When Jesus was attacked by Satan in the wilderness, Jesus didn't even use his own words. Jesus said, it is written. It is written. It is written. And the enemy fled. Paul teaches this on spiritual warfare. Paul says in Ephesians 6, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. When you pray the Word of God in your prayers, when you confess the promises of God, when you pray the promises in prayer, you're using an anointed Word, a holy, appointed Word. You apply the promise to your need. You declare to the enemy, it is written. You go to prayer and you say, it is written. If God be for us, who can be against us? It is written. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. It is written. Though the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall be raised up against him. It is written. Nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. It is written. We are more than conquerors through him that has loved us. It is written, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. It is written, uh, greater is he that's within us than he that's within this world. You need to saturate your prayer time. When you try to break through into the enemy's camp, don't go in your word, go in his word. We break through and bind the enemy by Holy Spirit empowerment. Paul said in Ephesians 6.18 again, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. When you pray in the Spirit, that means two things. Two things. First of all, I want to ask you a question. What language does God speak in heaven? I heard somebody say German. (laughs) It's probably Pastor Hal and I. (laughs) Does he speak Italian? Huh? Swahili? Hindi? Chinese? What does he speak? 
He speaks God language, the same language that was used to create all of existence out of non-existence. When you speak in other languages, empowered by the Holy Spirit, when you speak in tongues, you're speaking power language. You're speaking God language. You are on target. You're on the bullseye. You just don't hit the target. You hit the bullseye every time. Paul teaches that many times we don't know what we ought to pray. We don't even know what the exact problem is. God's spirit does pray in God language and you'll always hit the bullseye when Paul teaches pray in the spirit he's also saying let your prayers be empowered by the Holy Spirit you can pray in English and be empowered by God the Holy Spirit Uh, he'll give you the strength to keep praying and praying and praying on praying for 20 years until your mother is saved and water baptized. The Holy Spirit will give you that strength. You see, it's not by my might, it's not by my power, but it's by my Spirit, saith the Lord. There it is. There it is. The key to praying with power. The key to praying with power. Number four, we break through and bind the enemy by exercising spiritual authority over him. I'm convinced that countless Christians like ourselves don't know, don't know, don't know. They're ignorant of exercising spiritual authority in prayer. Engaging the unseen enemy with spiritual authority. I heard tell of, in in Mexico, in many uh, intersections, in the more impoverished areas, they don't have traffic lights. If you've traveled in Mexico. They have a perch, a pedestal that stands above the intersection where a cop, a police officer, you know, says stop or go. Uh, he signals with his hands uh, in that pedestal place, in that position, the traffic obeys. I heard tell of a police officer that left his pedestal, I don't know, for a cup of coffee or a break or whatever, and a little boy got up there, and that little boy start directing traffic. Start putting the hand signals out there, and guess what happened? The traffic obeyed. And then there came crash, bang, as he gave the wrong signal. My point is this. The traffic obeyed, Not because, not because of who was giving the signals, but the position of authority in which they occupied. What am I getting at? Do you know who you are and whose you are? If you're going to pray with power and authority, if you think you can bind the enemy in your own personal confidence, you've got another thing coming. Jesus said in John 1, uh, or John wrote, As many as received Him to them, He gave the right to become what? Children of God. You're a king's kid, a child of God. Romans 8 declares something more. The Spirit Himself bears witness that we are children of God. If children, we are the heirs of God. Think of all that you inherit from God. But, what do you inherit? In ancient times, the historical context in which Paul writes Romans 8, in that historical context, the younger brothers, did they get as much as the eldest son? No! They got the lesser inheritance. 
We not only inherit authority and power from the throne of God, but how much authority and power do we inherit? Paul goes on to teach, if children, the heirs. Heirs of God. And what? Joint heirs with Christ. Does that mean that God splits everything 50-50? No. It doesn't say co-heirs. It says joint heirs. Joint heirs means you get as much authority and as much power as Jesus, your elder brother, moves in. As you pray in the name of Jesus, mountains move. Uh, strongholds are pulled down. His light invades darkness because you know who you are, whose you are. We're seated in heavenly places with Him. We're in the pedestal of power. We're in the position of authority. We transact legal business, heaven's business, in the name of Jesus. I've heard some Christians pray, Devil, I twist your horns and I pull your tail. Your words don't mean squat. But when you pray in the name of Jesus, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! All of hell trembles when the weakest Christian prays in the name of Jesus. This is our power. This is our authority. This is our inheritance. Now move in it in the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Finally, breakthrough intercession is only accomplished by boldly standing in the gap for our loved ones. A profound, profound truth is revealed to us In Ezekiel 22, verse 30, God is speaking. Hear ye the word of the Lord. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap Say that with me. Stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land. The people of that time were lost. Please don't move your papers. Focus in right now. In the name of Jesus, I ask you to focus in. To stand before me on behalf of the land. That I should not destroy it. But I found no one. When you move in breakthrough intercession, you are standing in the gap between the wrath and the judgment of God. He must judge sin or He's not a holy God. He must judge sinners or He is not a holy God. He is not true to His Word. You stand in the gap between a holy God, the holy wrath and the judgment of God. I'm talking about hell. You're standing in the gap between the judgment of God and your lost loved one. Standing in the gap might take 20 years of praying. Standing in the gap is going to take praying with power, praying with authority, praying in the name of Jesus, claiming them through the cross of Calvary. My question is this. How many, how many, how many are willing to stand in the gap Here in Ezekiel chapter 22, God couldn't find anybody. 
to stand in the gap before a lost people, a lost Israel. How many of you this morning, and I don't need to ask for heads bowed or eyes closed. How many of you this morning with an upraised hand would say, I've got an unsaved loved one. I represent an unsaved loved one. I have an unsaved son. I have an unsaved daughter. And I'm not giving up. I'm not shutting up. As long as there's breath in my body, I shall persist with a bulldog tenacious faith. And I shall claim them for the cross of Jesus Christ. It cannot be otherwise. If you're willing to stand in the gap, stand up right now. In the name of Jesus. I see pews all around us that need to be filled. I see a youth section over here that needs to be filled with young people that find Jesus Christ. Maybe they are your sons, your daughters, your grandsons, your granddaughters. I see a host of empty places here this morning that need to be filled. I see marriages that need to be mended. Are you willing to stand in the gap? Are you willing? If you are willing to stand in the gap for your immediate family member, if you have an immediate family member, I'm making a separation because there's so many of you right now. If you have a son or a daughter, a mother or a father, a husband or a wife, a brother or a sister that is a non-Christian, they're an unbeliever, they're unsaved, I want you to come down here to the front right now. Pastors, help me direct traffic. Come right now in the name of Jesus. Come, 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 come. In faith believing, in faith receiving. You're willing to stand in the gap. Press your toes against the first step. Press your toes against the first step. Amen. Let's make a way for as many people as possible. We're going we're gonna to end our week of prayer right here. We're going to end our week of prayer right here. Amen. 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 I need people that know how to pray to come now behind them. I need people that know how to pray to come behind them. Amen. For the rest of you, I need you to join hands with somebody that knows how to pray. Join hands with somebody in prayer agreement. Amen. For you that are down here at the altar, I want to invite you. I don't command you. I invite you to join hands with the person next to you right now in the name of Jesus. And you're going to pray for the one on your right and your left because there's power in faith agreement. There's power in breakthrough intercession. We're going to pray this morning that the Lord is going to get their attention. We're going to pray this morning they're going to be surrounded by soul winners. We're going to pray this morning for the conviction of the Holy Spirit 